Hello, welcome to uh, a Bits and Pieces interview. I am joined by Carmine Fantarella. I think I've said that right. Uh, the one of the developers of uh, Icebox Speed Gunner, and uh, we're gonna do a, a bit of a quick interview. Well, maybe not quick. That's probably me making stuff up there, but an interview. Words. <laughs> um, right. How are you doing? Anyway, Carmine. <laughs> I yeah, excellent. Thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. No problem. No problem. I've um, been meaning to do this for ages now ever since i first played your game i've been meaning to to pin you down and well i say pin you down find time to pin you down and ask you questions yeah. about it so this is uh, i'm looking forward to it yeah thanks no it's it's been great you've you've um put me onto a few leads as well and you've helped me out a lot so yeah more than happy to um spend some time chatting with you super no no worries no worries right um so we'll just we'll just dive straight in. Um, I just wanted to first off just know uh, a little bit about your background and maybe some of your favourite games. That'd be it's a, always a good place to start. Yeah, sure. So um, so my name's Carmen. I'm from Games of Eden, and I've just made this game called Icebox Speed Gunner, which came out on Steam uh, end of October, and um, it's a competitive run and gun 3D platforming game. Um, where you just run and gun, try and escape the icebox, play through these procedurally generated levels, and uh, uh, try and run and gun your way to the to the exits. Um, get yourself on leaderboards and become the ultimate speed gunner. So it's a bit of a bit of fun with your friends or online friends. Um, yeah, so I've been working on that for a couple of years uh, in the background and just cool. got it out. Um, I'm a I'm an electronic engineer, software engineer by trade, uh, came out of uni about 20 years ago, worked in the Department of Defense, doing some signal processing, radar processing and, and um, um, stuff like that. I did that for wow. a bunch of years and yeah, did that for a bunch of years and got a bit, got a bit um, uh, despondent with the, how slow government operates and how yeah. how big companies they take so long to do anything i, I was in, i was waiting for it to do a phd I had an application in for at least a year probably a year and a half and still hadn't even uh got to the sort of like approval stage and it was going to be another four years on top of that and it was just everything just moved so slowly and um i sort of wanted to take a bit more control of my own destiny so yeah i went and renovated houses for a while because i I'd, I'd, uh, my dad's a tiler and i had done a lot of work with my hands right from high school days so um, cool. I actually, actually, between there, I went and did some contracting, software contracting, went and worked in a few places, uh, did that. And so I was doing both contracting and buying houses and renovating houses for uh, close on 10 years, seven to eight, nine, 10 years, something like that. And then we built the house that we're living in now and um, got to got to do sort of what I wanted to do a long time ago, which was... Uh, be super creative and make games and stuff, but I didn't want to have the pressure of having to make money tied to it because it seems like it's a pretty, pretty risky business. So I went and tried to set myself up uh, beforehand so that I could do something like this now. Um, awesome. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, and that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. I'm sort of, I'm doing this now for for fun, and if it makes a bit of money, that's great. But it's it's um, important for it to be um, scratch that creative itch for me. Yeah, oh, that's that's a nice way to approach it. I think it's it's um, yeah, better than it's than it being it's a slow just about well, more, yeah, it's a, more about it's a definitely a slow way good. to do it. Yeah, yeah. But I guess when I first started out, we we didn't have anything. When when I came out of university, we didn't have anything like Kickstarter. Um, yeah, we didn't even have those opportunities to to 
you know, so you, so I had to come up with alternative ways of funding what you know what I wanted to do, and hmm. the only way I could do it was this slow burn, which took a <coughs> took a lot of years. But in the end, at least I'm in control of um, I'm in control of everything. I'm not beholden to any anyone. I can make my own decisions and and uh, go at my own pace, and you know, which is really the way I like operating as well. I sort of like just doing when everyone else is zigging, I like to zag. I like to do my own thing. So yeah, it seems <laughs> to work pretty well for me. That's cool. It's cool. Um, so, what are some of your favourite games then? I'm, I'm interested to you get a good picture. Yeah, of so back in the day, like. yeah. So, uh, you know, especially in those formative years, or, or especially during my sort of uni years and stuff, there was all the all the first person shooter games like Doom and and uh, Duke Nukem and all those sort of things where we played online. But also, I love racing car racing games like Formula One racing games and stuff like that. Um, right. Cool. So. Um, those those have had an influence, and then and further back, way 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 before that, I used to play on my Commodore sixty four and and my two eight six PC, and used to play things like um, you know just uh, Spy Hunter, little games like that, and and Mission Impossible, and all these sort of games, and um, and and I, I back then on the two eight six and the early the early PC days, I liked playing all the LucasArts um, adventure game tech. Oh, well, they were digital, they were graphical adventure games by then. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's been a there's been a whole bunch of influences um, over the time. Cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I can definitely see the the Doom and the the racing game influence actually in Icebox. So, um, how did Icebox yeah. first come into being? Yeah, was so it kind of wanting to merge those two almost a, a bit? Um, was, was that it kind was, of? It was yeah. So in a way, in a way, it was um, you know what I have, you sort of have a few ideas that you want to try out and prototype, and you. In, there's a whole bunch of influences. One of them being, you know, some of the things you want to do creatively, some of the things you want to try out technically, um, and then also just trying to create projects that uh, that the scope is manageable, that it's not too big a, uh, a project that it will never get finished. So uh, there was a couple of years where I was um, where I downloaded Unity, the game engine I'm using. Uh, I'd, I'd been, you know, I'd, I'd written game engines in use beforehand with off the shelf graphical libraries and audio libraries and all this sort of stuff and it was sort of around that time when unity was emerging and I was like wow there's this tool that some that some other company that has hundreds of people working for it is going to let me use basically for free um, so instead yeah. of me having to maintain a, maintain an engine or maintain this this library of stuff I can just concentrate on making the game so it was sort of around that time where I downloaded unity started prototyping uh, ideas, but also just really getting familiar with what Unity can and can't do, what its limitations are, what what its you know uh, assets are, I guess. And um, yeah, that was happening sort of in the background while I was building the house that we're in. And so I was prototyping a whole bunch of ideas. You know, being being a solo developer, I was I was interested in um, in some procedural generation. I like the idea of being able to. Um, uh, Generate a lot of content in a way uh, that's that that where I can manage the scope of it, um, or some variety of content anyway. Um, so I was exploring those ideas. I was exploring something, you know, uh, visual styles. Um, again, I was learning all about Unity. So I was building. I was prototyping stuff with terrains. I was prototyping stuff with with AI. I was prototyping all this sort of stuff. And then I took it to a where I live in Adelaide. We have um, a local game dev community. So. We have playtesting sessions every now and again. We also have a, an annual event um, called AvCon, which is a big convention. 
Uh, so I took it to a few of these playtesting sessions. I, I showed it to a few people. I took it to, um, I think I showed it to a few people online and stuff and worked out that this bit, a part of the what I was prototyping, this bit could be the game, which is basically what we see now, this racing through these 3D platforming um, procedurally put together levels. And yeah. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it took, a, took about a, a year. I took I brought an early alpha to... Um, to and have con in 2016 got some feedback from players and then sort of just from 2016 to 2017 just polished it um mm. you know chucked out mechanics that basically just honed it down to this sort of run and gun style game and um yeah, yeah that's that's how we arrived to where we're at just a whole a whole bunch of influences you know managing scope managing um uh, art managing um uh, yeah game styles that I like that I'm going to be interested in working on for a, a couple of years. So, yes. Cool. Cool. You mentioned about, um, tricking out ideas that didn't work. What, what were they? What things just didn't quite mesh with the, how the game worked? What, what things did you have to kick out? So, well, really there's, there's been a, there's been a lot of things. There's been, um, like I said, when I'm, when I was prototyping early on, I had a, I thought maybe I'd do something like have a big hub world where, there was a bigger story going on and you would be navigating f from the hub world into these portal worlds, um, collecting things inside these portal worlds and bringing them back to the hub world to, you know, maybe unlock something that would, that would get you out. But the hub world was this yeah. big terrain and it was, it, the idea was that the hub world was going to be like a more realistic world and the portals were going to be this, um, computer system, this matrix like world that you go into. Um, yeah. And just, just the scope of it was getting too big. The um, when I was prototyping, it was like if I want to get this to actually some sort of polished um, stage, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a massive uh, undertaking. Um, yeah. And also things like trying to make sure that the that the players understood the story because the what was happening was that this this hub world was supposed to visually look very different. It was supposed to be more realistic, more look more like a real world, and give you that contrast with the with the uh, you know computer, the matrix, the Tron-like world that you're going into, um, and it just yeah. yeah again the amount of assets that were needed to do that to have it polished the the um, and everything associated with that just became so big so that got just chucked out. I just was like I, this this is when I, when I actually said okay now what part's going to be the game it was like okay I'm going to focus just on this bit here this is actually something that I can polish right up and and actually finish. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of things during during development. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of things technically that happen during development. You know, you might might start off with a plugin when you're prototyping, um, and then three you know halfway through pro the development, you realise this plugin isn't actually that great. It's not doing exactly what you need. Now you need you need something a bit more advanced, or you need it to talk to something, and it's it, it's just not it just can't do it the way it's been designed. So you have to rewrite all yeah. that. Um, I had stuff with, um, yeah, with with the AI, with the pathfinding, all this sort of stuff. Uh, and uh, over the years, you know, Unity keeps getting upgraded. But when I was first prototyping, Unity couldn't do a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and uh, so I was always, you know, trying to build workarounds to sort out problems. And then in a later version, Unity would sort of bring in its own solution. And I had to make that decision at that point. Do I go with the Unity solution or do I stick with what I've got? And, you know, there's, there's been things like that that's yeah. happened um, through development. Right, yeah. I would never have thought of, like, Unity updating and that, that update then having an impact on 
the game that you're making actually i never would have thought of that as a well for example as a thing for example i i um i think i i I still use my solution for um for nav meshes because what i've got um for navigational meshes because what i've got with with a procedurally generated world um Mm. unity back in the day could only generate nav navigation navigational meshes on static scenes so you like you'd, you'd lay out your scene you'd lay out your level you'd lay out all your your houses or your, your obstacles or whatever and then you'd, you'd bake a, a navigational mesh which is what the ai used to work out where they can and can't go and you'd save the scene uh, and then when you load the scene up you know that's all loaded up but with my game it doesn't work like that my game it's actually putting it's building the level you know at the as procedurally you putting it together as yeah. you move along and so those navigational those nav, nav meshes are sort of tied to each little block but they can be anywhere in 3d space they're not sort of baked to a specific location in the world like at zero 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 or you know and so it just it just didn't yeah. work with with unity solution but i think in the most recent versions i think unity might have some solution uh, to handle things like that there was all these things a right. bit like that uh, over development where it was like Either a plugin was deprecated, or or um, Unity solved some problem, and it's like, oh, okay, now what happens? You know, and you know, especially it was even more tricky if I was currently dealing with some problems, and it was like the lure of some new plugin or some new um, Unity uh, update sort of said, oh, we solved that problem. It's like, oh, do I abandon everything I've got here or this this tool that I'm using and try and go with something that I don't know that could have its own problems? um yeah 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 so that's always the, that's that's always the tricky bit that's sometimes tricky. it's better the devil you know <laughs> yeah i suppose it is yeah so when you um yeah. when you first came up with the idea for icebox how close is that idea to the finished game are they is it a pretty close yeah, well, thing or is it as you kind of developed along you've changed things it's kind of a different beast almost fun funnily enough there's a i've got a little making of video that sort of gets unlocked if you finish the campaign and also there's a there's a secret area that if you get into you get to see this video in the game and in that game in that video there's um i've got a recorded clip um uh, that shows i call it the making of the game and there's a very very early on um prototype that's just uh, empty cubes, just the just the edges of cubes, and I was just procedurally putting them together to build these tracks and seeing if I could navigate through them. So there wasn't even platforms, there wasn't uh, there was nothing. It was just these empty these boxes and seeing if I could if I could build the procedural generator to do that. So very early on, the the, the procedurally generated three D levels was um, like a core um, aspect to the game, and then. All this other stuff I was talking about, about hub worlds and stuff, that was more about trying to yeah. build a story, a framework around it to give the player some motivation to want to continue on. Like, why am I running through these things and stuff like that? And so there's a whole bunch yeah. of other, other ideas that got prototyped that ended up getting dropped. Um, so, the, yeah, the, the, the core part of the game is really, is really still there, um, uh, especially cool. when you look at these early, these early videos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Motivation for people to finish the game, then. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, when you, so uh, so now, you were building so along... Sorry. Sorry, Rob. No, no, you go. Uh, yeah, I was going to say... <laughs> so, sorry, no. I was going to say that... Um, so, what happened was, as, as it was sort of being prototyped in early alphas and stuff, there was a, there was a lot more story to the game. And then, taking yeah. it to playtesting sessions and stuff, people were saying, 
oh, you know, the run and gun is the bit I'm finding the, the, the most fun. You know, I just want to, I just want to run and gun. I want to be able to shoot everything. I want to be able to shoot doors. I want to be able to shoot terminals. I just want to be able to keep running and gunning. And it was, yeah. uh, you know, I submitted it to a few things and, and, um, in the end, what happened was the story sort of got trimmed back to not get in the way of, of, you know, just the, this sort of run and gun gameplay. So there's now a very light story. Um, and there's this female narrator, um, who, who helps you along. And I'm not sure if the game actually discloses who she is. I know who she is and I'd like to yeah. maybe down the track, you know, uh, you know, maybe have a, a, a different game that sort of where the two characters meet, but um yeah so the, the story's been stripped back quite a bit but um there's still this light bit of story left just to again help try and motivate the player to to continue on yeah i quite like this the minimalist story though because it um it it makes the whole thing seem so much weirder and so much more mysterious because you kind of you, as you play through each level you kind of get glimpses into what's happening and then it just sort of gradually yeah. unfolds rather than it rather than it being like a story dump or anything like that it ends up being this thing of like you you go for like this just so like you just want like an extra little snippet an extra few lines of like the yeah. dialogue as to like what's going on it really no it, yeah it's very effective i found oh thank you thank you yeah yeah I, it's 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 a fine balance especially with my sort of game where it's very mechanically focused it's all about this you know racing along um there's a fine line between um having a bit of story to give the player some motivation, give them some interest into wanting to continue on and, and, and not having any at all. And they might just say, well, you know, it's, you know, like, like I said earlier on, I, I like playing car racing games. I'll play them all day, every day, you know, and, and the thing I like about them is that it's about trying to master something. Um, you know, you start off and you'll learn a track very, very quickly. Um, and you'll be driving on the grass, you'll be crashing into fences and all that, but it takes, a very long time to become a real master at it and take all the apexes and and perfect the track and really feel like make all the gear changes right and just feel like you've done it like perfectly and, and it's such a sense of satisfaction another you know I, I talk to people um sometimes i use the analogy of golf i say it's a bit like golf where i can teach you the mechanics of golf in about five minutes flat you know put the ball there put it on a tee swing like this look over your shoulder whatever um, but it will yeah. take you a lifetime to master the game. Um, and so, yeah, my game's a bit like that too. I wanted, wanted it to be, have this sense of you, you can, you can learn the basics of the game and I didn't want to bog you down with too much story or too much, too many mechanics that you would be sitting there for ages, just, um, dumbfounded. But also I wanted you to get this sense of, Hey, if I played this just a little bit more, or I played this just a little bit harder, or I know now that I know where the bad guys normally are, I, I can cut so much time off or maybe I'll do a few extra headshots. You know, you become that, that sense of a master and you, you'll get rewarded for it on the leaderboards. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does have that um, easy to learn, difficult to master element to it. But the, you always kind of just want to have just like one more try at like trying to beat your time or uh, just do something yeah. differently. So no, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I rewind ever so slightly when you're talking about um, uh, actually coding and developing the game. What were the most difficult bits to actually do? I know you mentioned about the procedural generation, but there anything else that was kind of you found particularly tricky? Like, I don't know. From I, I don't really know an awful lot about coding, but I, I'd imagine that the the rate that the player moves through the game, as well as like the things that are sort of coming on screen, like ma I don't know if how yes. matching those up or anything would be. It seems like it would be difficult yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah. 
it, <coughs> you're right. There's there are a lot of um, technical um, uh, issues that I had to make sure I was across. Um, um, for example, yeah, the, just just the procedural generator was a was was took took some time took a, took a lot took a lot of prototyping, yeah. making sure I needed to build these I needed to build these little segments that were that had specific locations where you could enter and exit them, and they might have multiple entry and in, exit zones, and then they they they're sort of tied they're sort of grouped in themes, and the game the procedural generator gets given basically a recipe that says okay the level can be this long and it can have starts off with this theme and then it can move into this theme and it can do that and that and that and at this point it can have these this these sort of en enemies or these placements of enemies these sort of pickups and then the, the procedural generator has to use that recipe and work out how to um, put this level together but that's one thing it's mm. another thing when you want to start saving or serializing the world you want to if you want to save a state like I have checkpoints in these marathon levels so I need to be able to save the state I need to save where you are I need to be able to save where all the, in a sense, where all the bad guys are, what things have been picked up, what things haven't. My game sort of simplified that a little bit, but essentially it uses one world seed and it stores the state of you know each of those blocks and it has to be able to do that quite quickly. The other thing is loading those bits up in the world as you're, as you're moving along, I had to make sure that there was... Uh, minimal minimal to no stutters uh, in frame rate when you when you play with a, a reasonably fast computer on an ssd drive uh, you have no problems but i'll notice it on my slow laptop which has a super slow hard drive um just loading stuff up off, off disk as you're going along streaming it off disk can be can be a little bit slow um at times you might yeah. get you might get a stutter but on on, a, on, a, on any sort of average sort of computer it's fine but that was an that was right. important to unity sort of runs everything in, in a main thread. It's starting to do things now in background threads and stuff, but the way my, my game worked, it had to break that up over um, successive frames and load the world in slowly. And that, that sort of went in with, there was, there was two things going on there. One was I wanted you to see the world loading up as you were navigating it because I wanted you to get this sense of you're inside this computer system and it's building it. And so I wanted that to sort of have a visual uh, effect as well. I wanted you to be able to see things loading up because the alternative would be to load things up when they're far away, so you don't see them happening. Um, but I, I did it as you navigated each sector. I sort of made the next sector load up right in front of you for a visual for, for that visual effect to make you think, "Hang on, I'm not in a real world here. I'm in I'm in some sort of computer system. This isn't you know this isn't what a normal world does." Um, yeah, yeah. So that was that was. Uh, that was an issue, um, and then there were things like, like I said before, with plugins and and uh, the AI, the the path pathfinding again procedurally generated. I had to come up with a solution that that um, handled the procedural generator um, and being able to give the AI some some help with the with pathfinding. So loading that up as well without stutters. There's all there's so many technical issues under the covers that. Um, if people don't notice it, that's perfect. Then I've done my job right. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of yeah, those, those sort of things. It always works fine for me. Cool. Cool. Like that's no, that's interesting because because um, you do move very quickly, especially when you start to sprint, mate. You move exceptionally fast <laughs> yeah. through icebox. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a mouse and keyboard yeah, sort of game. I've 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 seen people play it with a controller, and I I I feel like um, you know. I, 
when I play with a controller, it's just I, I'm just no expert with a controller. But when I've when I've seen people who play with a controller who are good at it, I'm like, how are you doing it? It's you're just going so fast. You know how are you how are you managing to do it? But um, yeah. Massive keyboard. Yeah, you, you do. <laughs> yeah, it's not the sort of game I'm normally very good at. So it's um, it was really good to play it and just like just get sucked in by um, by it in a similar way to like, yeah, cool. um, like how Race the Sun did. Like that, that sort of like just want to get a little bit further or do like a little bit better next, <laughs> yeah, next yeah, time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's really very Moorish. So what's next cool, cool. for Icebox? Is are you what what's uh what have you got planned for it next? Are we, are we gonna could we see a port maybe to a console or what, what are you what are you planning? Um, well, it was really it was it was um uh to be honest, it was one of those things where it was it depended on how the reception was as to what I would where I would take it. You know, um, I've I've hmm. been in chats with some um uh, other other people, local devs who are. Um, bringing their game to Xbox and stuff, so they they said to me, you know, if you want to take it to a console or something, um, you know, we can help you down that track. Um, I've spoken to cool. people from uh, Intel and stuff like that who who might help with um, with some stuff in the future. But that's at the moment for me, that's all sort of like really in the maybe maybe world. Um, yeah, yeah. For the first up. I'm, First up, I was I was uh, wanting to release it on Windows, and then um, once that was out, which it's out now, I then spent um, some time making sure that the Mac and Linux versions were okay. So so now that was my first thing, getting it released on Steam on all three platforms, which has now been the case. Um, yeah. Next up, there's um, I've got some um, I've got a tournament. I call it a tournament uh, level. It's just it's using the same. Um, uh, assets that's, that are already in the game, but it's building a special level um, which is only available for two weeks, I think, um, in January oh, cool. called the Winter Challenge. Everyone gets to compete. Everyone gets to compete on the on that that track. It's the same track everyone competes on, and the winner at the end of that that two weeks becomes crowned the inaugural Winter Champion. Um, maybe there'll be a prize or something for the winner, and uh, and then there'll be a few more tournaments through the year like that. And I'm hoping that depending on how things go down the track, maybe I'll be able to tie some some new um, content with one of those tournaments. So um, you know, have some new assets. You know, so something like I, I don't know what, but um, just a, a, a you know two or three new levels, and and then uh, a special level for the summer tournament or the autumn tournament or the or the um, you know, spring tournament or something like that. So I've got them all scheduled. Yeah. I've got about three tournaments scheduled for next year, um, and we'll just nice. see how it goes. If if the reception's okay, you know, if, if people are interested, it, to be honest, at the moment it's it's very slow going. So I don't think it'd be worth my putting too much effort into making all this extra content if no one's playing it. But um, mm -hmm. if uh, you know, if people are interested in it, then I'd be willing to put in um, more content. Um, so we'll just we'll just see what happens. For me, the the very next thing in early January, I think it's January the eighth, is this winter tournament. I'll be competing on there as well. So I'll be competing with oh, my nice. my friends here in Adelaide, and we'll we'll and anyone and anyone else who wants to play, and uh, we'll just see who can become the, the 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 champion, the winter champion. Oh, there you go, there you go. So you can beat Carmine. I'll I'll, I'll see you there. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool.
Yeah, it's about a two or three le- minute level, you know. It's, it's just like the usual stuff. It's it's like those those daily and winter uh, monthly challenges, but it'll be a special special level um, that after the 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 two weeks is up, um, you won't be able to compete on it anymore. You'll just be able to see who who won. You'll be able to see the leaderboards, but you won't be able to compete on that level anymore. Set in stone, nice. Yes, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, brilliant. I don't think I have any other questions. You got anything else you'd like to say, uh, Carmine? I've, I've, yeah. No, I've, I've... it's been a, it's Thank been you. a pleasure. Thank, thanks for, um, thanks for all your help um, over the last couple of months. No, no problem. Thank you for the game. Uh, I should also should finally say uh, you can get Icebox on Steam. It's um, it's only seven seven pounds, which is like ten dollars probably. I don't. In America, how yeah, I don't know about yeah, so it's ten dollars Australian, ten dollars US, um, yeah, and we've got uh, you know the usual Steam summer sale comes up pretty soon, so keep an eye out there as well. Absolutely, it's really good, guys, and uh, you can read my review on the Bits and Pieces website to see why a bit more. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this, and it's been really good to have you uh, on here, Carmine, and really interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Bye, guys. Uh, if you want to see more bits and pieces things, you can find us on our website at bitsandpieces.games or on Twitter at bitsplusPieces or Instagram at thosebitsandpieces. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.